Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Derek Taylor joins me to tee up the Bombers and Argos and the entirety of the weekend of the CFL season. And then week four of the NFL season, we'll preview it with Skylar Peters coming up on the podcast. As we turn our attention back to the CFL, and I'm just noticing the CFL now has odds on their website, on their homepage, that you can see uh, the spreads for every game. That's a nice touch. And Derek Taylor joins us now, the voice of the Blue Bombers, who I'm sure is bummed that tomorrow the Argonauts are not going to be the full Argos. Well, uh, no, because I, I told some friends that this was coming, and they put down a lot of money before the odds shifted on this game. So I think a lot of fr- friends of mine are going to get quite wealthy this week. So that gives me a little joy, at least, for whatever the Argos will, whatever joy the Argos will rob me of. It could be replaced by my friends getting very wealthy. That's not insider trading, is it? No, once because we're all we're all following Matthew Shinetti's report. That's right. When he when he said that uh, Chad Kelly didn't take reps on Tuesday, didn't take first team reps. We all went, Oh, there's, there's no chance he's playing. Then it's going to be Cameron Dukes. And the line is minus three. It's time to hammer it. So yeah. Uh, fingers crossed that, uh, that it does hold, hold up for my buddies. Yeah. It's now seven and a half and there's juice on the seven and a half. So it looks like it might go up still. Okay. So yeah, there's an expectation that Winnipeg is going to win this game. Of course, uh, even at full strength, this team is very good after a loss. This team is very good after buys but now it just makes this easier. Is there any chance of complacency because there's not all the guys there? Or is this just setting up for a, a big, big win? I wouldn't think there's any chance of complacency just because, you know, the MOP level quarterback, the star defensive back, the superstar linebacker, and the stud defensive tackle are, are, are playing. I, I would think that, I would think there's not a problem with that. I, I honestly... I, I kind of believe Coach O'Shea and the guys when they say no no we don't care who's playing they're they're a real team so uh, let's go let's go for it. As fans we get to take a, a different view of it right because no one's trying to smash us in the face and take our lunch money and stuff like that. But uh, yeah no I I don't believe there's any complacency especially that loss in Hamilton wasn't good and the questions about what's their deal going into bye weeks I. I have to believe that that they they want those questions erased. Absolutely. And we, we I mean, the tough thing as fans is that we were looking forward to this back to back for a long time. Right. And now yes. the Argos aren't going to have their full strength. Bomber should win that. But next week's game is still everything. Right. That's going to decide who hosts the West Finals. So there's still that one. But. It is too bad. I, I blame the schedule makers personally because this A, they're only playing once this year, and B, they could have had it earlier. They could have been a you know a June showcase event or could have been right around Canada Day and then they play again on September 29th. That could have made sense, right? Yeah, I, I'm with you in that if if you play home and home against everybody, this is this is solved, right? This this problem wouldn't happen near as often. I mean Toronto clinching with six games to go is is a freak occurrence that I I can't ever have found in the Canadian Football League. So you you roll with that. But if if they just played earlier in the season, uh, as you would think a Grey Cup rematch might be, this would be solved. So home and home against everybody, plus two extra games within your division, and we get all the all the games that we were missing this season that would have created a lot of tension or drama or hype. Uh, we would have gotten them all. So. Is there any drama then tomorrow night? I think so. And I, I was thinking about this as I was driving to to practice today. 
if the Bombers win and the Lions win, and both teams are massive favorites in their games now, if if they both win, they're both 11-4 and four into next week, which would mean that next week's game, it doesn't 100% decide who wins the West, but it essentially does, right? If you win next week's game, you're a win ahead of your opponent, and you have the tiebreaker, so you're essentially a win and a half ahead of your opponent, and each of you has two games left to go. So if the Bombers win, they would have to lose to Edmonton and Calgary and have BC win both of their games. I, I'm not sure. I believe it's Calgary and Saskatchewan that they would play. And you go, are either of these teams dumping two games for any reason? No, I don't see it. So next week becomes all for everything if both teams have the same result this week. And I mean, BC and, and Winnipeg. So I, I don't think it's, I think next week is just going to be so enormous. This one, we're, we're robbed of a little bit, but there's nothing that can really take away from how unbelievably important next week is in Vancouver. They have uh, Hamilton and then ho- on the road and then host Calgary to finish. So okay. two teams that they are definitely better than to close things out. So it, it definitely takes a bit of the, the stink off or the it, it stink. It takes some of the glamour off it. It, it is a bit stinkier now, but hey, we're still going to have the Andrew Harris on the Jumbotron moment that you're anticipating, right? I know you asked players about that, and they're all expecting a, a roaring ovation when that happens. Yeah, and I, I, think, that's, I think that's right, right? Like, the, the, breakup wasn't, the breakup wasn't the cleanest, but it's not one of those ones that I think fans would have any ill will towards Andrew for. And I, I was watching the team from afar when he came here in 16, and 17 and 18 and even 19 pre Kalaris, he was the dominant figure on this team, right? He was the star of this team. He was, you know, the engine of the offense, the Matt Nichols, Chris Trebler offense. To me, he was the engine of it. And, and uh, I mean, he took this team from 2016 was a year where we were wondering, was Mike O'Shea going to be fired, right? They go to Nichols. Andrew does his thing, gets all what well, got almost a hundred catches one year, got a hundred catches one year. Uh, we started talking about a thousand, a thousand with this guy. He was so important in this, uh, you know, leading up into this era of bomber football that I, and I mean, add the part where he's from Winnipeg and the, the ripple effects of what he's done in the Winnipeg football world. I hope it is a massive, massive ovation. And I'm so glad that the Argos chose to bring him on this road trip. Absolutely. So we uh, we look around the rest of the CFL going into this weekend. And yes, the BC Lions tomorrow night favored by nine and a half right now over the Rough Riders. You got Montreal at Ottawa and then Calgary at Hamilton. I mean, in terms of compelling races that remain, we've got the battle for second in the East. Eh, it's kind of it, right? <laughs> Saskatchewan's got the third seed or do they? Well, Saskatchewan has the lowest point difference in the entire Canadian Football League, despite being six and eight. They have won a ton of one-score games, and when they lose, they get absolutely whacked. Uh, but they're they're two wins up on the Stampeders and Elks. I don't, I, I'm not willing to give it to the Riders quite yet um, because you know strange things can happen. I'd be more concerned. Uh, I'd probably be more concerned about the Elks than the the, the Riders. I don't think the Stamps are, are particularly good. The Riders are, are a big favorite, but I just I can't give it to them quite yet just because they've been so rough. So we watch that. We watch maybe who will host. Yeah, who will host in the East. But I just – is there any feeling that Hamilton – actually, you know what? I was going to say, is there any feeling that Hamilton or uh, Montreal could beat Toronto in, a, in an East final? 
that Hamilton team that we saw against the Bombers two weeks ago, I'd be concerned that that team might be able to pull something out, you know, in a little fluky Eastern final. But yeah, it's we're, week 17 isn't killing us with the drama with what Toronto's done to us. I mean, we saw what Hamilton did in Toronto last week, which was nothing, right? They they yeah. got some garbage points late and still lost by 15. And Toronto yeah, the, didn't even have everybody McManus. in the lineup. So I don't I don't see it personally. You never know with football, right? Upsets happen. We've seen it before. And oh, look, the Alouettes, this giant favorites in the Calvillo era, suddenly losing at home to an inferior team. We saw that enough times, but I don't yeah. know. I, I Honestly, the CFL season has had some weeks that have had some crazy games, Derek, but it doesn't feel like an overly compelling season right now, at least. Am I wrong? Mm. No. Well, the East hasn't been compelling at all. It's been alternating which team is terrible. I mean, Toronto is just running the, the show. At least in the West, there's been some drama, right? At the, we're not used to drama at the top, necessarily, with the Bombers. But, I mean, when they got beat by BC in Week 3, I was contemplating what world I was living in. And are the Bombers not as good as we thought? And then a few weeks later, they put 50 on the Lions and everything's good. Uh, the Bombers have given us some, you know, some hold your breath moments. The Ottawa, the Hamilton, the first game against Sask, down 22 nothing to Edmonton. There's at least been some drama in there. If you're a BC Lions fan, you have to feel great about things. But, oh, wait a minute, Vernon Adams has thrown five interceptions the last couple of weeks. And we needed a, a massive missed field goal return to beat Ottawa, the team with one of the worst records in the league. Um, there's at least been some stuff. And then I feel like Saskatchewan fans are, are sitting there thinking, you know what, if we're in the playoffs and Trevor Harris comes back and if Anthony Lanier is healthy, eh, maybe we got something. Um, I don't know how valid that is, but I, I feel like there's at least some in there, but, uh, maybe the drama at the top in the West is the only thing that, uh, that is really kind of saving me for this year. Because you look at right now, third in the West is six and eight. Second in the East is four, seven and seven. The Lions, Bombers, and Argos are the only teams above five hundred in a in a nine team league. Just three teams are above five hundred. That's that's not great. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's not great. Are they the only teams with a positive point? Yeah, they are the only teams with a positive point differential as well. And that's that's where we were a few weeks back, right? We went okay. It looks like this is a three team league. And then we wondered for a bit after the Bombers just shelled the Lions or do the Lions deserve to be in that mix and it seems like they do because they'll have one game at home to determine who wins the West so at least they deserve to be in there I it's yeah it's it's been such a weird year but I mean I I didn't think Toronto was going to be particularly good this year so for me every it's every week's a new week going really they're this good despite the things they lost in the offseason and Chad Kelly has been this good like it's not He's not the best player in the league in my mind, but he's way better than I think you would rightfully hope for a first-year starter to be. So, yeah, it's uh, it's given us some stuff, but the, the drama, I think, after next week is uh, is probably done. All right. The main story on CFL.ca at this moment is report Lions add Colin Kaepernick to their negotiation list. This from a, a tweet from Farhan Lalji that this has happened, and it's Suddenly the the homepage story on CFL.ca. The guy's 35. There's no doubt he had talent back in the day, but he hasn't played football in six years. I know that he's been this central figure in, in fighting for social justice, um, and he was definitely blackballed from the NFL, but yeah. should this be news that he's been added to the Lions negotiation list? 
I guess, right? He writes a letter to the New York Jets saying, hey, I'd love to come run your practice squad. You know, I know you're having injury troubles, but I can run I can run your practice squad and keep your team sharp. And then I, I guess BC responds to that and goes, oh, hey, he's interested in playing football. I, I it's it seems like a neat thing for a day. I don't know. At, at the moment, I feel like it's when uh, was it the. Was Brendan Tannen with the Bombers or the Riders when he, and then that guy kicked a fifty-yard field goal and the Wendy's kicked for a million and all of a sudden Brian Deesberg went on went on uh, Brendan Tannen put him on a on a uh, negotiation list. I feel like it's like that. Like this isn't going to happen, but ah, let's 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 see and we can reach out to him and and be rebuffed and then move on to the next one. It's 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 interesting enough and you know uh, more more excuses to talk about Colin Kaepernick and and what he has been in the uh, sports world. And I'm with you on the blackball thing. I, I don't, uh, I don't uh, get pass any chance to talk up Colin, Colin Kaepernick and what he's been to uh, to football and to uh, football culture. And he's been on negotiation list before too with the Ticats and, and Alouettes going back to 2017, according to the CFL. But I, we'll just finish on what what negotiation lists mean for those who don't know Derek. What does it mean that the Lions did this? So basically every team in the CFL has a 35 man list uh, on which you just put any, any player who's not, uh, who's not, uh, I guess, draft eligible in the Canadian football league, you can have them on their negotiating list. And if they, if uh, they want to come to the CFL, they would have to sign with your team. You would have exclusive rights to negotiate with that, with that person. When they declare their interest, to uh, come to the CFL, you have a certain, it starts a clock on, you have X amount of time to offer him a contract. Forgive me, I forget how long that is, but you have to offer that person a contract or then they, you know, you have to drop them from your, your negotiation list. But it's essentially, here's a big list. And these are the guys that uh, can only negotiate with us and teams, obviously, you know, they, they're looking for quarterbacks. So they stack up quarterbacks on there. And uh, if they ever want to come up North to play football, uh, they have to come. Uh, they have to come through. Well, they have to come to your team. It's not the only way to get an American player up here, but it's what it's a way to ensure that if anybody wants to, if Caleb Williams, the quarterback from USC, wants to come to the uh, CFL, you have to go to Team X because uh, they have you on their negotiation list. Good insight, Derek Taylor. You'll you can hear him at the pregame show at five, play by play at seven tomorrow night. We'll see you at the pregame tailgate area tomorrow, Derek. Thank you, my friend. Time for our weekly NFL pick segment. Since I do not have a show tomorrow night, Skylar Peters is looking for a winning week. Let's see what he has in store for us in the pistol parlay. Well, Skylar, last week you were under the weather, and I think it showed in your picks because the three you brought to the table were all wrong. Uh, you ended up getting the Seattle game right and the one I put you on the spot with right. So two and three, you're seven and eight overall. But the first few weeks of the NFL season are always tough to bet, right? Yeah, that one felt like a, a weird week. Like, I mean, just some some big swings and misses, too. Not like you were going into the fourth quarter hoping for uh, your team to come back and get a couple more points to cover. I mean, the Washington pick against Buffalo looked terrible. Uh, and we don't have to t- we don't have to talk about the uh, Dallas Cowboys losing outright to the Arizona Cardinals as 12 and a half point favorites. One of the biggest money line upsets probably in the last four or five years since we started doing this. So time for redemption in week number four. Where would you like to start? Well, I'm going to start right now. Rate freaking now, Christian O'Mell, as this segment is playing. The Green Bay Packers are hosting the Detroit Lions at Lambeau Field Thursday night football. 
NFC North matchup. And really, uh, now that the Vikings are off to that 0-3 start, these are the two teams vying for the division title already. Uh, in late September, we kind of know it's going to come down to these guys unless something absolutely wild happens with the Vikes and these guys fall a little bit off. Uh, I said in our, our first uh, segment of the year that I was high on the pack. I thought it was a great future to bet if you wanted to uh, take a long shot to win the NFC North. Uh, and this is the night I feel like things really flip. I'm taking the pack. They're plus two. You can maybe get them plus two and a half because there's a little bit of juice on the Lions side uh, at minus two. So we'll see what this goes to by uh, by kickoff. But I'm going to take two points right out right, right now. Uh, home field advantage, it's great. I think they've won 28 of the last 32 or so at Lambeau Field against the Lions. Of course, the last matchup was game 256 uh, last season, week 18, the final regular season game where Detroit went in there, beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and sent my Seattle Seahawks to the playoffs. A uh, bit of a revenge spot for the pack here. I like how Jordan Love's looked. I think this team could be 3-0 and if they didn't absolutely toast it against Atlanta in week two. Uh, so I'm taking the pack here, and I think they really uh, start marching towards a uh, NFC North uh, division title here because they play some really weak opponents coming up. So another good time to jump on uh, a Packers future if you haven't already, uh, and we uh, take the pack tonight and we uh, get off on the right foot, hopefully. Well, I reference playnow.com when we make these picks. You're using bet 365 I've got two and a half here. Oh. So I'll give you two and a half if you want two and a half. Please. I won't say no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Could be the <laughs> difference between a, between a push and an outright win. So I'll absolutely take it. I'm absolutely. actually going to jump on the Packers money line. I mean, inside a inside a three-point spread, uh, you know, to get some plus money, you know, if they happen to win by one or some, or uh, lose by one, I'm, I'm fine uh, losing a couple bucks. So that's actually my play tonight. Okay. All right. Where would you like to go with pick number two? I think uh, the London game's got some intrigue this year. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, have been over there plenty of times over the last decade or so, and uh, that's where they'll find themselves at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on Sunday. Uh, it's uh, a game against the Atlanta Falcons that... You know, should be pretty interesting. A couple of teams that were expected to make a jump. Uh, I think the expectations were higher, though, for the Jags coming into the season, and they haven't exactly looked the part so far. Um, we'll see. Calvin Ridley had a good week one, but week two and three, he was pretty quiet as well. Uh, and I like the Falcons as a three-point dog on a really a neutral field, although it'll probably be a pro-Jacksonville crowd just because they've been over there in Britain so much. Um, you know, the run game travels with Atlanta. Uh, they got Tyler Algier, who's getting a lot of goal line work. Bijan Robinson yet to score a rushing touchdown, but he's been absolutely electric. Everything that people anticipated since he came into the NFL three weeks ago. Uh, and I think the Falcons passing game will do just enough as well as the defense and Arthur Smith's coaching. Uh, and I'm still waiting on a Kyle Pitts breakout game. Like, I feel like this is this is coming. Uh, but we've been also saying this for three years. So uh, it's got to happen at some point, right? We can't waste this guy's entire career. I feel like he might go off for two touchdowns or something crazy like this on Sunday morning. So, uh, And a chance to go double TVs at 8.30 in the morning on a Sunday uh, with Ryder Cup singles uh, out in Rome as well is something I can't pass up. So give me the Falcons, plus three. All right, and pick number three. Cincinnati. Uh, didn't show me a whole lot in their Monday night win over the L.A. Rams, uh, but they did show that they can get by uh, with Joe Burrow. And really, I think if T. Higgins caught a few more balls that were going his way, that score could have been even more lopsided. Of course, uh, the Rams did cover a, a push on the plus three line if you had it um, with a late touchdown. But I do think the Bengals are only going to get better from here as you know Burrow hopefully gets healthier and healthier. It's a shorter week with the Monday night game last week. They're on the road at the Tennessee Titans. 
Where have we seen this before? Well, the Titans were plus two and a half to uh, at home to the Los Angeles Chargers in week two and ended up uh, winning in overtime outright. So uh, I do think that there is a difference between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, it's going to be kind of a slow roll for them to, to get back up to where they should be as, you know, a team that might play in February uh, in Vegas. But uh, they're only going to get better from here, I think. Uh, and we, we've seen a really quiet ground game with Joe Mixon uh, in the Cincinnati backfield. So I think their defense, uh, you know, steps up pretty big against uh, Tannehill and, you know, pretty bland offensive team in Tennessee. Uh, and they're going to grab a, a road win uh, in fairly convincing fashion, at least cover this minus two and a half. There are a lot of small lines this week again. There were a bunch in the opening mm-hmm. weeks of the season, and there are very few uh, in the early window. It's all small lines pretty much. Late window, it gets a little wonkier because. Uh, well, the, the Niners and Cardinals game. But uh, looking ahead now, we get to the yours or mine segment. Every week, you've been given the choice of the Seahawks game or the Vikings game, and you've taken the Seahawks every time, and that's working okay for you. You're 2-1 and one so far, and the Vikings are very unpredictable. That's, I, I, whether they're winning or not winning, I think that's just a team that you don't really want to invest money in their games. If you want the Vikings this week, they're four-and-a-half-point favorites at the Panthers. Okay both winless teams or if you want to wait a while you've got monday night football seahawks at the giants the giants one and a half point favorites i have a hunch you're sticking with your team here i would love uh to support the minnesota vikings christian omel laying four points uh and uh being on the road is it's just something i can't do and i saw carolina last week uh at seattle they were not great uh, you know, they had a couple of flashes, and Andy Dalton did Andy Dalton things. Of course, he had his passing yards over. I think I told folks to take that one last week. That was the lock of the century, in my opinion. Um, I just can't I can't do it with an 0-3 team laying four on the road. And, I like, I do think they're going to win. I don't think they're going 0-4 out here. Uh, but to get the Seahawks against a guy that's 1-11 in primetime and Daniel Jones on Monday Night Football, they have looked horrible this year. They're in MetLife Stadium. Seattle's won a couple of big games there before, uh, namely Super Bowl Forty Eight. Do you remember that? Uh, I mean, come on. Uh, this is this just looks like an absolute rat line. And I'm, you know what? If Seattle gets blown out for some reason here, and Daniel Jones, uh, you know, turns into the quarterback we saw at times last year that earned himself forty million a year. Uh, then I'll be I'll be going down with the ship. But to get these guys as a dog, they, they've played their best game of the year against Carolina last week. Devin Witherspoon, the uh, number five overall pick, uh, is uh, also a good pick for a defensive rookie of the year right now. He's twenty five to one. Something I took today. Um, yeah, I mean you got to take these guys, you know, as a dog. And and really, they're going into a bye week here. They want to go in three and one, and to be a game back of uh, San Francisco, barring anything crazy against Arizona on Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, you're in a pretty good spot. Now we get to the final pick of the week where I can give you whatever game I want. Week one, I gave you a marquee game. Game two, I sewered you with a terrible game. And uh, week three, I gave you an easy win. I'm going to go back to the marquee of the week because this is the best game on the NFL calendar so far this season. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Buffalo and Miami in Buffalo in September. So this is a game that last year was in the snow in December in Buffalo. The Dolphins just scored 70 points. The Bills have looked very good since a weird opening week loss to the Jets. Buffalo minus two and a half at home to the Dolphins, though the juice that I see is on Buffalo. So that might go down to two at some point here. I don't know what you have, but that's the game I'm giving you. 
Well, thank you, um, because I really had a feeling that you were going to give me the toilet bowl, this the exact opposite matchup where the Chicago Bears host the Denver no. Broncos. <laughs> in a game that 90% of America is going to watch on Fox, only folks on the West Coast don't have that game in the 12 o'clock oh, no. window if you're watching on TV. So uh, if you ever needed a time to get a Red Zone subscription, folks, I think Sunday uh, morning is definitely it. No, everyone will be watching this game. <sighs> I, you know what, I, I got a ride with Buffalo here. To get him at two and a half inside a field goal, um, it, it's, I think this is the third time I've picked a Bills game already this season. And uh, what I definitely said last week, which didn't come to fruition, is that uh, this is a team that can sometimes beat themselves with turnovers. And obviously we saw that in week one in their Monday night loss to the Jets. But, you know, when they minimize that, as they have in the last couple of games, they looked uh, every bit the part of a team that, uh, you know, is probably in the top three in terms of AFC contention, along with Kansas City and Cincinnati if Joe Burrow gets healthy. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a little regression. I don't think Miami's putting up a 70-piece again this week, guys, uh, especially not against this Bills defense. Their pass rush has been awesome. It's going to be the be- uh, biggest challenge yet for that Dolphins O-line that's done really well at keeping Tua Tagovailoa upright and allowing uh, Tyree Kill and, and guys like Jalen Waddle, who will play in this game, uh, to get back down the field. Not that it takes very long for uh, those guys to do it. They're the fastest team in the NFL. Uh, will be interesting to see what they do with the run game, though. Uh, Raheem Mostert had four touchdowns. Devon Shane had four touchdowns. <laughs> against Denver, uh, how they mix it up, if they mix it up, is is going to be an interesting thing. But uh, give me the Bills. Give me a Stephon Diggs breakout game on Xavier and Howard. That's going to be the matchup I'm watching uh, one-on-one-wise uh, on Sunday uh, at noon. This is actually the fourth straight week you've picked a Bills game. Every week you've, you've had wow. a Bills game. You had the, the Jets and then the Raiders and then the the Washington game. The Washington one last week, the first one you actually got wrong involving the Bills. Before I let you go, just a quick note on the Ryder Cup. You're going to be watching it. I know you will. Is there any betting action on that? I know that I think the betting, each team to win is plus 100, so there's no real favorite in this, is there? Yeah, uh, I think like just, and I'm going to watch it a little bit tomorrow morning before work and stuff. Um, This is a tough one to bet because like these guys, uh, outside of playing at the like the Fortnite Cup and then uh, the BMW PGA, I think was the European Tour tournament uh, that uh, preceded the Ryder Cup. Like we haven't seen these guys in form for almost a month now. Uh, the FedEx Cup was has been over for quite some time, and, and in case of the Euros, uh, I mean you don't even watch some of these guys uh, for most of the season as well. So uh, I, I do think that uh, Europe is actually going to win this. I think they're going to surprise the U.S. I think a guy like Ludwig Aberg is really going to take a step and uh, cement himself as as the up and comer. He's the number one am in the world he's the 12th pick on this europe team and he's going to become more of a household name in golf by sunday afternoon i think um so i would take europe to win i mean it's basically a pick em. of course they can tie uh, and those plus 100 odds are three ways so in the event of a, of a tie at the Ryder cup you are going to lose your money so just buyer beware there are two-way lines uh, as well somewhere out there on those betting sites as well uh, and then i'll probably i'll probably bet the singles but it's just so hard to bet four balls and alternate shot i mean there's so much variability um, i'm kind of going to wait until sunday morning saturday night uh, and throw some picks down when it's uh, mono a mono out at rome should be uh, a lot of fun at marco simone though uh, sunday morning going to get up early for that one all right skylar appreciate your time as always and we wish you the best of luck with your picks we'll talk next week thanks brother and he had the nerve to pick a game on right now and show just how much he knows about football he picked the packers plus two 27 three detroit at the half i think it's safe to say skylar is zero and one for week four 
Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. Day.